Welcome to Laundry Day, an unfolding series of conversations between artists, friends and collaborators gathered through Crossings, a group show about intimacies and distances. Each episode explores how the works in Crossings resonate, where they intersect and collide, and where they uncover new meanings. Laundry Day is a chance to connect from a distance. In this episode, co-curator Millie Riddell speaks with two artists in the exhibition, Tui Harrington in Wellington and Layla Rudneva Mackay in Auckland. Hi, I'm here with Layla Rudneva Mackay and Tui Harrington. Thank you both for joining me for this. Crossings is a large group show of 12 different artists and collectives. It would be great just to have a description of each of your works in your own words. So Tui, for those who've been to the show, they'll know that your work longer than I can remember is what greets viewers as soon as they enter the gallery. So maybe we should start with you. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that work and what's behind it? Sure. Kia ora. Uh, <laughs> where to begin? I was trying to write some notes about what it is now, how like a lot of my work, there's like a fluid interpretation at the end, right? So you have an intention, or I have an intention when I set out to make the work, and then what it what it stands for and what it becomes and how it's kind of used changes over time. And when I set out to make the work, it was as a as like a, a making project to something to do with my hands, something that I could do at home, something that I could work on that you know, instead of having to be kind of hardcore thinking all the time, you know, having something to just chip away at. But it became a lot bigger than what I perhaps anticipated. And so it's 900 squares or about 900 squares of overlocked patchwork. And I guess once it came together, uh, I had imagined it in a much I've imagined it in, in a few different spaces and I had imagined it in a much smaller gallery in which it kind of created a maze almost you know how 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 big how big can you make something or how small can you make something really big you know from you know this thing compresses down to I don't know a really like a shoebox sized and can fill quite you know it's 15 meters long when it's hung in a line and as I was getting to the end of the making, which took about nine, ten months, kind of started reflecting on the the nature of that and the boring elements and the procrastinating and the waiting and the kind of frustration and there's parallels with, I don't know, pregnancy and labour and um, was introduced to a text from that Natalie Robertson had written in, I think, 2012, called The Trickster Manifesto, or a, a notes on tricksters. Um, and she refers to a kind of retelling or an original telling or, you know, a handed-down version of the mythology around Maui's quest for eternal life. And in the stories that I'd heard, in the versions I'd heard, he went... And kind of was was killed, was crushed between the thighs um, of Hinenui Tapor as he tried to enter her to, you know, become immortal um, and to get this immortal life for humanity. But in this retelling, it was her moment of 
it was like a moment of orgasm <laughs> and this that the, the you know the that muscular contraction was what crushed him and you know without getting too far into kind of discussions of consent and that, that you know you could you could go I just thought that was a very uh it was eye-opening because when you start of course of course a lot of our stories and a lot of our mythologies have been kind of cleaned cleaned up and um you know the effects of some nice pure Christianity has really taken what is probably a lot more of the the pleasure or female element or you just kind of in anything that acknowledges that sex was is something that people do mm. <laughs> it's taken out of a lot of our stories and I, I guess at that point I was starting to imagine this work as a as a kind of canal or you know like a birth canal and just you know mm. in making these works you start tying them to the things that you're learning and <laughs> yeah and I think that I love that idea of the work as a kind of birth canal and of pushing the audience through the space you know I'm thinking about it as a labyrinth and as something that controls the way that you move through the space but also that the brightness of the work and you're thinking about it as a birth canal it's not that's not something that you necessarily think of as you know joyous or fun or anything like that but there is that playfulness to it that resonates with Natalie's text as well about the trickster and about the kind of humor I guess that's been erased from a lot of those stories yeah I, I guess that's that control pathway thinking about your work and how it just guides you through the space but also thinking about you can actually nip under it or you can visualize being over it and so it's mm. a controlled pathway, but there's there's ways that you don't have to be controlled within it, I guess. I quite like that idea of cheekiness or you could you can mess with the control as, mm. as well as mm -hmm. and also birth it you know can be completely out of control, although that it's a it's a it's a tunnel or it's a it's a space that's supposed to be controlled, but it generally it feels pretty out of control. And so that sort of idea of the controlling our movements, but we can never really do that. I find that quite interesting. In the path you think you expect you're going to take or the path that has been trod before you and disrupting that, I guess. I was thrilled when Tina suggested that it might cut across the doorway, right? A lot, of, a lot of these works that I make, you, you know, try try to get in the way, but try not to piss people off. Or, you know, like so with color and brevity and material, in a kind of a certain kind of lightness, you know, like making a great imposition on people's experience of spaces without making them acutely aware of their that, that same thing, like control, control, but in a yeah, attempts at it a kind of futile, right? <laughs> The trickster in control. <laughs> I guess that's a good segue because we're thinking about control because one of my favourite moments in the show is when you walk across the bridge and turn to the right and you see Layla's dark moon hiding behind the corner. So it's kind of like an unexpected moment in the show. It doesn't announce itself before you see it. The only way to get to it is to actually cross the bridge and turn and face it in total contrast to Tui's work, which 
confronts you as soon as you walk in and does control your movement to an extent. So maybe, Layla, shall we talk about your two works in the show, Dark Moon and Glaze Bunch? Well, the, the two works that came out of a series of works, which was called ACC, BCC Bananas, and it, I guess it was a at a time in my life where um, I was journeying <laughs> through a process of what happened to me after I gave birth. I had an extreme birth and lots of complications from surgeries. And when I was in this, this sort of state of the complications, I sort of had lost the ability to speak. <laughs> and um, I started making these paintings just trying to verbalise, articulate to myself what was going on in my body. Um, they weren't made for anyone else. They were made for me to try and grasp this, this feelings that I was having because I had lost the ability to sort of communicate with people or explain to people what was happening and so yeah they were really just a a quiet space for me to sort of look at my life and my journey into parenthood my my friend Wynne Porter she she sort of said it really well once which was you know parenthood being a form of migration you know and so you move from this place of not being a parent into this place of being a parent and how your journey is can be really big and mine was and I think everyone's is and their perspective on life really changes as well and I, I guess I was thinking about these sort of ideas of um, being able to speak within a within a life of pain yeah and so they're they're kind of funny they're just uh uh, paintings of fruit <laughs> faces made from fruit and I was just trying to think about at that stage all I could manage really was you know making food for my family and getting us from to and fro and that was about it I had lost the ability when you were talking about making something with, without criticality I, I had lost my ability to have any kind of critical thinking and so it was just a, a sort of a process of non-critical making yeah I guess that's what, where they came from yeah I'm just looking at the series now <laughs> this one is, this glass-eyed kiwi is awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a thing when we start um talking about approaching our own work with criticality right in that it, it feels like a, a a great freezing block. <laughs> you know, it's like how, how critically I think about your work at the moment. I'm like, if I start thinking about it, it, it I, I can't see the, I can't see the point in it. Which I mean, is how I ended up just wanting to cut out so many squares. I was like, once I've cut out squares, you sew them together, and then you don't have to be critical at that point. You just have to do right mm. while you're doing. You can kind of hear all sorts of other things and process all sorts of other. I don't know this yeah yeah I I guess it's that thing of through making comes understanding 
I, I guess, and 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 I find that art making and and writing, I guess, or poetry, um, uh, it's a transforming state. You know, from from an unknowing to a knowing, or you transform from a knowing to an unknowing. You know, it's uh, the process of making helps you to uh, well helps me anyway to try and articulate um, my thinking. Yeah. It's that ma- magic, right? Because <laughs> you, you don't, I mean, like, the, 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 I, don't, I have to talk a lot about my work before I've made it, you know, like if you're filling out funding applications or you're trying to make proposals and pitch things. And as you do that, you kind of start killing these things that don't exist already. And so there's yeah. just the, the opportunities or the process of just making and being okay with, like, the, this meaning, arriving at the meaning or perhaps never arriving at the meaning, but you know, getting to the end of it and being like, oh, I wonder if, wonder if that you know ties in with something else. Or you know, when you find connections that that happen at the end of a long making process, and once they're, I don't know, for instance, in a gallery, and you see it, and you're like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> this this is this connects to this. This is that's wow. <laughs> how how you know? I don't think you could even. I don't think you could think to make those things. And I think that's part of the. The reason why I persist through this hard and real boring stuff all the time, you know, it's not it's not always fun making work, but that magic where you're like, huh, yeah, that's who you are. <laughs> so strange. Do you think that your both both your attitudes to making changed when you had children or when you went through a shift in domestic realities? Because you both sort of talked about, you know, Tui, you talked about boredom and Layla you talked about that kind of experience of where you know the only thing you could do was make food for your family do you think that's changed the way that you approach the art that you make for me and entirely and that I mean before I had Pia and I was only 22 when I had her so I was I wasn't formed <laughs> and I wasn't I was not practicing as an artist in any capacity I mean I've just come out of an industrial design degree followed by a, like a shoemaking qualification and I was living in Melbourne working as a kind of half-assed product designer and I don't know hadn't yeah had it didn't really have any f- kind of practice of my own outside of having always made things for friends and whatever but once she was born there was just kind of a, a futility in designing mass produ- mass-produced <laughs> objects you know you there's got you know your time you kind of like there must be something more enjoyable than you know I get very bored very easily so and then you have these little bits where they're asleep or Mm. and suddenly suddenly this kind of time that I had to myself or had you know had this kind of agency over everything was compressed and I felt myself getting like a lot a lot more selfish about what my time was because I'd be like well she's asleep that's my time now and then just started making in those moments and so I think without having had her I don't I don't think I I mean I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now at all Mm. yeah I think uh I guess I came from a different road I I was practicing before I had kids and um making work and as an artist and um I was making quite a lot and sort of on a good flow I guess (laughs) And then when I had my daughter, um, we were both very broken and 
everything stopped. And um, it, it was, yeah, I, I, I've, I've termed them the lost years <laughs> um, because I can't really remember quite a lot of it. And um, it, uh, I guess when you sort of go through a trauma, you, you lose your memory. Your brain sort of turns to fuzz <laughs> you lose your memory anyway but you know as you get older but and things come and go but uh, those years for me were really lost and and I couldn't practice in the way I used to I used to take photographs I used to go out and I'd get people and I'd lug gear around and it would be all this sort of it was quite a lot of organizing and and sort of I just couldn't do it I mm. physically couldn't do it. I couldn't do it with my daughter. Um, we were both, you know, struggling. And so I started painting because I could just, that, that time that you talk about, that little bit of time asleep, I didn't have to go anywhere. I could just walk into the other room and make a mess on something and <laughs> walk out and, you know, forever hardening brushes, leaving them, you know. <laughs> but, that was the only sort of the only sort of touch I could do. I could just do this small sort of gesture mm. to keep my, you know, try and keep this past life, trying to reach out to it. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, it's sort of how I started painting, I guess. There's a, a, a conversation, of, an ongoing conversation I've been having with some friends. Well, you know, I think it's been had by a lot of people, but especially it's around the around the scale and the materiality of, of especially women's like art practices, right? Why are there so many jewelers and why are we ceramicists and why do we have these textile <laughs> You know, and a lot of it, it's like it's it's like it's deep. It's it sounds so uncool, but it's, it's I think it, it is really cool, right? It's this deep pragmatism. What are the things that I can do in my house? that are safe, <laughs> that I can leave and that, I, you know, that, I can't, that, that you can put down and that you can do intermittently and that should someone who's small get their hands on it, they're not in, in danger. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a kind of a, hard, like it's the, it's the ultimate reality, right? As you, we can't be, I don't know, can't, yeah, you can't go out dragging gear around and organizing other people. That's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching a, because um, I couldn't leave the house and I was watching some interview at the Auckland Art Gallery. And um, I think it was maybe, oh, I can't remember now, Jacqueline Fahey talking about she just painted what was at home, what was around her. And I think that was one of the things that made me go, okay, okay, mm. I can do that. What, mm -hmm. what am I doing? Oh, I'm just making fruit faces. <laughs> prepare, prepare food okay I can do that that's what I'm going to do it's just it's all I can do <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just sort of drawing the, the things that are you know what's around you I guess it's that thing also what you're talking about um, prior it's the, the public and the private and mm -hmm. how how it's you know it feels like it's seen as deeply uncool to be public about these <laughs> these things um what's that saying that motherhood is the last taboo of <laughs> last taboo of art right 
it's, it's so uncool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, oh. you know, it feels that way. And it's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally uncool and talk about it because Yeah. <laughs> ah. yeah. <laughs> it's all consuming, right? Like you can't you don't it's not a an opt-out position once you're there. And I mean not that I and I you know, I have got shared custody of my child, which was its own fun kind of thing but you know so there are times when she's not here but it's always it's always what you're thinking about like okay you know if, if it's opportunities it's can I can I undertake them how who's gonna juggle who's gonna go pick up who's gonna go and I don't know I don't know why it's so uncool we all we were all children <laughs> someone <laughs> someone raised us it's it's just I don't understand uh yeah I think it's you know the sort of the art world is still Pretty masculine. <laughs> mm. Even that I don't understand. I mean, not to drag this into um, deep conversations about the patriarchy or anything. <laughs> a lot of these men have children. <laughs> I mean, some of them, and it just doesn't. But it doesn't seem to hit in the same kind of way. Not to say, not to say their their experiences of it are, are not represented. It just doesn't seem to be such a defining. Um, a defining kind of characteristic and it doesn't seem to come into their work I mean you think about all of the work about motherhood that's out there it's not that many works about fatherhood really you know there seems to be more of a separation to me of fatherhood and art making yeah well I mean I you know I mean we are changing but I still mm. do believe we live in a pretty traditional uh, yeah. society and I think that it's still the women who take take those roles on mm. or even understand the roles and and for the majority anyway i mean i'm not saying that it's all women but you know, i think it's a, it's a huge percentage it, it, sort of that whole thing where where women um like there's a there's a a cap on um emerging artists and things like that and for women they mm. lose you know a good 10 years of their life their art life and then they've hit the 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 barrier of they're no longer emerging or you know mm-hmm. the, those sorts of issues that don't include women and or sort of discriminate against women in a way that I think has hasn't been really thought through enough Potentially, I don't know. I mean, there's so there's so many different there's so many parts. Right, like it, it's like it's our experience of time is different. Where you know, like I feel a great rush that if a great pressure that if 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 I am to have any more children, it needs to be soon because at any point it's going to be. I mean, I didn't think about this the first time. Obviously, kind of you end up but having to think about well, if I had another child, that takes how many years out. And if how do you keep balls rolling whilst not being able to take on more buzz, you know, and these these kind of great. I mean, I think about it a lot in regards to the opportunities that are afforded to, and it's any any parents, but you know, I'm a mother, so this is my experience. But with residencies and the things yes. that uh, the things that you know, uh, I, I, these kind of unspoken pathways to 
careers in the arts, yada yada. And I'm I don't I'm not sure how any parent or how we're meant to take these opportunities on without ever great sacrifice to our families or, um, you know, I can't go overseas for three months. (laughs) I'd love to, I'd love to, but, I mean, I guess I'll see you in 10 years and then you start thinking about, oh, well, okay, that's fine if I be patient. And then I'm like, well, then what happens to women in their 40s and 50s and you're not emerging and you're not, what opportunities are there if you haven't? Yes, I mean, it's that thing where women, when they sort of hit their 40s and so on, and they just become invisible to the world. And it's, you know, it's it's a... So you think, oh, yep, once I've had my kids, I can get on that road. But <laughs> <laughs> you all of a sudden are invisible. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, this this body of work also talks about ACC, I guess, in my... my uh, it's a similar thing it's like um, you're not supported as a woman by ACC in the same way as if you were a traditional man being a parent and motherhood and childbirth and problems with your uh, the you know your woman's areas are not seen as um uh they're just not written into the to the ACC model, and so therefore you are not supported. And I think that you know there's a real issue there with sort of how women aren't thought about in these sort of models of you know residencies or or support and and when you've had you know childbirth problems or you know. Um, support and you need home help because of your messed up surgeries from childbirth you know Mm. whereas these these systems are set up for this sort of very singular male way of life you know where if you get hurt and you're working you get paid but if you're a woman home and you get hurt you're not working so you don't get paid but your potential for being paid yeah, it's just it's just um it's really messed up in my in my mind. <laughs> I mean it's ACC, it's health it's health in general and it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thing to me that ex- exactly that if you can be injured in a traditional job, you can get cover and you can get support. And if you are unwell, then you better find another way of supporting that or if you you know, yeah. this kind of at we we have an accident, it's perverse. It's reverse how hard it is. You know, you can have an accident um, on the rugby field and you're totally covered, <laughs> but if you have an accident in childbirth, you won't be. It's like, whoa, <laughs> what is that saying? And it also comes back to that fundamental issue that motherhood isn't considered work. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, or parenthood, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. Or being an artist. <laughs> <laughs> For that matter, I don't know if you're both. Oh no! I'm glad you threw that in there too, because I've been trying to work out how to articulate this question. I think everything that you guys have been talking about, this isn't unique to the art world, obviously, but there is something in the nature of the work of being an artist that I think makes these questions have a slightly different resonance, because that idea of separating work from life 
in the way that you might with a regular nine to five office job and how you would balance that with parenthood is kind of differently oriented when you're working as an artist, right? Well, yeah, it's this, it's this working all the time thing. Or, I, I don't know, I have a, a lot of issues thinking through or how to, I feel, I feel like I, a real need to convince people that I have been doing enough work or, you know, like the money comes in in a, in a chunk and it's not about how many hours and you certainly don't make what you need to for all the hours. But uh, Yeah, the boundaries are a lot more blurred. Yeah. And I mean, it's I, I, you almost wouldn't want to have it another way. It's just that in the in the systems and society we live in, you have to be able to quantify and and, sit by, and you know assess by certain metrics. And ideas and connections aren't going to happen in the middle of the day <laughs> necessarily. You have to yeah. be open to that, yeah. but they'll just sometimes. happen. When they happen. Mm which means that you're just thinking about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that kind of goes to something that we've been thinking about as curators lately, about how intensely personal a lot of the works in the show are and what the perspective of the artist in the show might have to being curated into this big group exhibition, dealing with a lot of different subjects and approaching life from all of these different angles and what it's like seeing these works that are about something so personal to each of you and so private in many ways in this slightly more public space that's slightly differently interpreted to how you might have originally thought of it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's this, this exposing you know, the choice to be exposing and how you uh, expose yourself with control, I guess, is (laughs) what I keep sort of coming back to. Uh, Yeah, it's just how far do I feel comfortable with this? How much further can I go? Now I have to draw back. Yeah, and being... Oh, it's yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something that I sort of think about a bit that being exposed and how to speak in a you know a truthful way, but not feel incredibly vulnerable um, is sort of it seems to be the balance that I'm processing all the time. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know about. Um, being put with everyone else is sort of I'm not sure it's, I, I guess it's so personal that it's sometimes it's sort of hard to see out I guess I would have opposite is the wrong word but they, I mean there's, there's a lot of these works they don't make them without them having a kind of public uh, outing because a lot of mm. them are you know they're massive and they're hard to install and I'm certainly not going to go to that effort to put it in my house you know that this is kind of a the design bent or whatever we you're considering these spatial relationships and how it's going to be used and seen and and there's like a any vulnerability or any kind of deep emotional things that I might tie into the works uh can be over, overridden by anyone else's interpretation or they're not necessarily visible within the works and so 
I don't know. That doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like an expose or anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In them, in them, and then in in that they are made for other people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I I guess this is the first time I've ever done it in this way. I decided to show a body of work that was not made for anyone else. Yeah, and it's it's challenging to show it. I think there's yeah those layers of revealing to it. You can make something, I think even in the most personal works, there's still something held back. Yes, and I think just even looking at the, the, the paintings, you wouldn't necessarily know where they've come from. Mm. It, it's all in the, the way you speak about it. And I guess that's the, the, the choice. You can choose what you want to reveal. Mm depending on the day, even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel similarly in that I don't, yeah, they don't, I don't think my work is, is it gushes about <laughs> what it is about, but it, it might even change what it is about, depending on where, yeah, where we are, where, where I'm at, you know, I like that these things can become stand-ins for, for different, for different things. Mm, yeah, yeah, the meaning is fluid. I, I quite like that. That you know, it does. It's not fixed, just like memory and and you know, it's sort, of, sort of your your connection to the work is not always static. Which feels very hard when you go about critically evaluating. It feels very hard with kind of art school training and whatever to 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 accept that you know, and that and, and that that doesn't necessarily detract from the value of a work just because it's kind of it has a a fluidity or a, um you know it's not it's not that it's not that it's spineless <laughs> it's just that it's kind of mm. kind of open right yes open that's good mm. <laughs> <laughs> no I mean it's good I want to make work that finds other homes in the world that I didn't make for them right it's good I want these things to go away from me <laughs> In, in ways that I, I am not in control of. Well, maybe that's, yeah. a, that's a really nice point maybe to end on. Thank you so much to Layla and Tui. Thank you for giving up your Friday afternoon to have a chat to me about the show. Oh, good. Nice to talk with you both. Yeah. So, so it's such light, such light topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can visit Crossings at the Adam Art Gallery Te Pātakatoi between 19 June to 22 August or view online at www.adamartgallery.org.nz.